the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning, Cleveland, the best location in the nation and home to the smartest, toughest, most industrious, and the best-looking people on earth. You're listening to the Bob France Authority. This is Pete Kersenow, once again, guest hosting for Bob France on this Friday, June 21st. First day of summer. It hasn't felt like that all year long. It's felt like the last dregs of winter here in Cleveland, and To be fair, across much of the Midwest, we've had all this uh, rain and clouds and gloominess and cool temperatures. Maybe, maybe it will improve. Bob once again has decided to cheat disaster by asking me to sub for him. Uh, He's second to none as the best radio talk show host in America, although in fairness, I guess we should give the nod to Rush uh, slightly based on experience and seniority. It's only 78 days until the Browns' first game of the NFL season, the regular season, that is, and 86 days until the Monday night home opener, and that will be an event, no doubt about it. The telephone number here, if you'd like to engage in the conversation, is 888-281-1110 or 901-0945. That's 901-0945. And at the bottom of this hour, we will have as our guest from the Alliance Defending Freedom, Denise Harley, who at one point had been a deputy uh, solicitor general for the state of Florida, but is now a counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom. We're going to be talking about uh, the complaint, a Title IX complaint that Alliance Defending Freedom has filed on behalf of certain female track athletes who were displaced because uh, certain uh, runners, that is, uh, transsexual females, that is, boys who identify as girls, 
just blew everybody away. There, there was not even a, it was not even close. In fact, one of the boys now holds 10 records, and 10 of those records were separately held by 10 different individuals and accumulated over a period of time, and he just in one year just took all of them. Or I guess I should say she, because that's the manner in which this person chooses to identify And then at 10 o'clock, we'll have our friend Roger Clegg from the Center for Equal Opportunity talk about the one of the issues of the day. It was the issue for much of the week on many of the talk shows. It was a subject of a hearing before Congress uh, at which I was asked to testify, but I do have a day job. Uh, despite the fact that I'm subbing for Bob, I got my priorities straight. Congress is not important uh, compared to the Bob France Authority. But that was the topic of reparations. They were going to study um, reparations on the basis of slavery and how that was going to be done. Roger's going to be talking to us. He has probably he has written about it forever, it seems. But for those of you who are unfamiliar with me, uh, which for most of you probably isn't that too many of you, given the fact that um, I'm Bob's regular Tuesday host, I'm the host of the Chris Now Report that's heard several times a day on this very station. Uh, I'm a lawyer and a longtime member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, in fact, the longest-serving member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, and the author of political thrillers, Target Omega, Second Strike, and the upcoming The Black Russian, with others in the pipeline, buy them all, and buy multiple copies to contribute to the gross domestic product. We want it well above 3%, and it would be a great rebuke to... Uh, socialists around the world. So we have a lot of things to talk about. As I said, we're going to be talking about reparations and uh, the whole issue of transsexuals participating in sports. That is obviously biological males who participate in female events. But there are so many things going on. We all know based on the news of the last 24 hours that there was an Iranian strike against one of our unmanned drones. The New York Times, which you have to take with a grain of salt, of course, reports that we were going to strike in retaliation, Iran imminently, and then the president decided to pull back. Uh, One of the reasons why I'm skeptical of that description is this president is not one who is known to pull back or second-guess himself. I wouldn't doubt that it was contemplated or considered among the top echelons in terms of what type of action should be taken, if any, and that may have been one of the options that was posed to the president and that he considered, but he doesn't strike me as someone who decides to engage in a course of action and then at the last minute decides not to do it. I think he's the kind of person who, if after due deliberation he's decided he's going to do something, he generally does it. But we may have an opportunity to talk a little bit more about that. I'm sure that uh, you'll probably hear much more about it during the course of the day. And this week we had the president kick off his reelection campaign. He actually kicked it off January 20th of 2017 during the inaugural address, and he hasn't looked back since. But the formal declaration occurred this week. It was carried live on Fox, and CNN carried it until such time as the audience started booing them. And then, of course, they had their hurt, their feelings hurt, so they switched away from it. But this is a pivotal presidential election coming up in less than a year and a half. Boy, time really flies, doesn't it? They're all pivotal. 
uh, because it is the office of the most important and powerful nation on earth, of course, or the most important office of the most powerful and important nation on earth. But this time, it promises to be, I would say, the most contentious election since at least the Civil War era. Yes, uh, I think it's more contentious or will be more contentious than 1968, clearly more contentious than 2000 when you had uh, George W. Bush against Al Gore and the Chads and uh, the 538 votes that separated Gore from Bush in Florida, and more contentious even than 2016, which spawned one of the greatest hoaxes in, well, not one of the greatest hoaxes. Let me restate that the greatest hoax, and clearly the greatest conspiracy, the biggest American political scandal in history. And the reason why this is going to be a contentious election, among others, is that the left has been driven almost literally mad by Donald Trump and the fact that they're not at the levers of power either in the White House or in the Senate And they understand that they've lost the narrative. For so long, the dominant media and all of the organs of our culture and our, our institutions have driven a narrative. And Republicans, to a large extent, were part of that narrative, establishment Republicans and others. They stayed in the lanes that were created by this narrative. And Trump wandered outside the lane. Didn't just wander outside. He bust through the lane. That frightened the heck out of them. And now they're apoplectic. The the lack of power on the part of Democrats or the left generally has driven them off policy and rhetorical cliffs. And they're completely without the normal checks, balances, the breaks that habitually restrain excesses on the part of politics, uh, politicians, political parties. And that's because the media has gone off the rails. They've decided to abandon all objectivity. We've always known that they were biased in favor of the left. That was a given. But this time, they've just decided no more pretense. We're just going full force in favor of progressives and especially against Donald Trump. No objectivity, no semblance of balance, and they're factually and in practice indistinguishable from the left and just as hysterical. Now, the media was completely complicit as more information comes out during the various investigations that are being conducted under the auspices of Attorney General William Barr, but they've been complicit in the greatest political scandal in American history. They promoted it, they fanned the flames, they abandoned principles of objectivity, fairness, fact-checking, And when normal Americans, every single one of us, could listen to the radio, watch TV, read the newspapers, and we could clearly see that the various claims made by Washington Democrats like Adam Schiff and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and others, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that they were plainly, frankly, for lack of a better word, nuts on their face. They just didn't compute The media instead promoted these claims without any factual basis whatsoever. Remember when Adam Schiff repeatedly said, I have evidence of collusion on the part of Donald Trump, his campaign, and the Russians. He repeatedly said, I have evidence, evidence 
He, in fact, he said copious evidence. He couldn't tell us what it was, of course, because the investigation was underway. We had to wait for the Mueller report, of course. But my goodness, he had evidence, he repeatedly said. Yet when the Mueller report came out, there was absolutely no evidence of collusion. Now, Adam Schiff still appears on these various shows. I don't know if he's been on Fox since the Mueller report has come out or on other organs that are not necessarily carrying the water for progressives, but he's appeared on MSNBC and CNN, and to my knowledge, he's never been asked by any of the hosts, any of the correspondents, hey, wait a minute, you repeatedly claimed that there was evidence of collusion. Produce it. What do you say now that Mueller, after spending all this time with all these resources, could find absolutely nothing when he had 18 rabid anti-Trump lawyers, a phalanx of investigators, unlimited budget, all these subpoenas that were flying all over the place, plus the hundreds of millions of dollars in contributions in kind provided by the media that were furiously looking for some type of collusion, and yet no evidence of collusion. Where's your evidence, Mr. Schiff? No. Nobody asks him that question. He appears unabashedly on all these shows. He knows he's never going to be tested on these things. It's truly extraordinary. So when normal Americans can clearly see this, they get away with it. Schiff says this on a regular basis. And why is it that Donald Trump is resonating? Because he has thrown a curveball into the usual manner in which media and the left, but again, I repeat myself, operate. So, National Democrats, unconstrained by checks and balances of responsible media, have gone completely off the rails. And here are the consequences. Consequences are substantial. We will address those shortly when we come back at the opposite side of this break. Coming right back on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Cleveland. Pete Kirsten now here again on the Bob France Authority. We're going to have a lot of fun here. We've been talking about a, man, a lot of things right now. It's been uh, the complicity of the media with the far left in trying to develop a narrative that's falling flat because Donald Trump doesn't stay in the lanes. At the bottom of the hour, you heard the promo from Bob a few minutes ago. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to be talking about that Title IX complaint with Denise Harley of the Alliance Defending Freedom, one of the counsel for the Alliance. It's an interesting topic. It's about time it's been addressed on the Civil Rights Commission We've addressed that topic, um, maybe not ad nauseum, but considerably, and the direction in which this is going may trouble some of you. But we've got folks like the Alliance Defending Freedom who actually read the law, defend the law as written, don't try to reinterpret the law in a manner that suits their social justice instincts, and protect the law, which is very important. If the law is infinitely malleable without the input of the people through their elected representatives, then we don't have the rule of law. 
We only have a few minutes before the bottom of the hour, and rather than go through some of the things I wanted to discuss, there have been some callers who've been on hold, and I know that Julie's been on hold for a while, so let's see if uh, we can get Julie on the line. Julie, you there? How are you? Hi, Julie. How are you? Hey, not too bad. Um, I'm a little off subject, but um, I had talked to Bob a couple times before in the past about um, when Jim Renacci ran against um, Sherrod Brown. And, you know, I was a little bit disappointed in the fact that I honestly feel that that race was so close that had the Ohio GOP and the national GOP gotten behind him, I think he could have beat him. And I have a son who luckily three years ago turned me into a Republican. He's only 23. And... um, he said to me the other day, he goes, you know, he said, I don't think that, he goes, Jim Renacci should run against Marcy Kaptur. He said, I don't think he has to live in the district. So I was wondering if there's anything we can do to get the Ohio GOP and the national GOP to put Jim Renacci up against her because, um, you know, that's become her permanent squatting grounds. And I think if we're ever going to overtake that seat, this is the time to do it. And I wanted to also tell people that, um, that you know, I've been really um, researching the politicians and who gets big money from the pharmaceuticals and the medical device company, because I wear a medical device right now that is defective and, frankly, should be off the market. And, unfortunately, I have gotten no help from Mr. Portman's office. They're very rude, very nasty. And Mr. Portman is in the top five who gets most of his money from the pharmaceuticals and um, the medical device companies, and I really honestly think that we should try to replace him next time he's up for office. And that's just basically all I had to say. I always love to enjoy, and I enjoy hearing you speak. You're very intelligent. You have very interesting topics, and I'm glad that I get to listen to you today. So have a great weekend. Well, thanks very much, Julie. I have one quibble with you, and that is uh, your assessment of my intelligence, uh, which makes me question the rest of your commentary. But no, I'm just joking. With respect to the one comment you had about uh, living outside the district, two things. One, he's going to have to have some type of domicile in the district. And we all know that a number of politicians have observed that rule in the breach, and that is that they've got some, you know, uh, nominal residence that belongs to them uh, so they can run in a particular district. But as Republicans, as conservatives, we shouldn't be playing games with the rule. But nonetheless, to the extent we can replace as many progressives as possible, I'm all for it, provided that we, again, adhere to the rules. We're going to have, in the upcoming election, an opportunity to retake the House, and that's because a significant number, more than two dozen of the seats that are currently being held by Democrats nationwide are in Trump districts. Given the fact that the economy is going gangbusters. This is the best economy of my lifetime based on a host of measures. Given the fact that we're moving in the right direction on a host of items, judges not the least of which, um, and at least we have a president. One of the reasons why, and I'm kind of going off track here, but one of the reasons why I think many of us support Donald Trump, not across the board necessarily, there's nobody who we support across the board, But I consider him to be the most effective president of my lifetime, at least in terms of the conservative cause, because, as I said at the outset, he doesn't stay within the lanes that Republicans have obediently observed, at least in my lifetime, those lanes set by the Democrats and the media. But again, I repeat myself. Julie, thanks very much for your call. 
Um, and have a good weekend. I'm going to go to Lisa. Oh, I know who Lisa is. Lisa is one of my favorite people who is a member of the Board of Education, State of Ohio, and also the head of the Medina County Friends and Neighbors, one of the best organizations you're ever going to want to see. Lisa, you there? Hey, good morning. Good to hear you today. Good to hear you, Lisa. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes. Okay, super, super. Hey, it's so good to hear you today, Peter, and um, I'm wanting to know if I could tell you a little bit about tomorrow's meeting. I'm sorry, Lisa, could you repeat that? Yeah, I just wanted to tell you about McFan's meeting tomorrow. With all the news going on today, and as always, um, it's so important that we get together, and there's so many groups out there, and if you're within a, a radius of any of these local groups, I encourage everyone to find one. But here in Medina County and surrounding counties are all welcome to come out. Um, we have a meeting tomorrow at 8.30 in the morning, and we have State Representative Mark Romanchuk speaking. And he'll be giving us uh, an update as to what's going on in the House. Um, also, you know, the budget is a big deal. And I think if you talk to five different state reps, they will all give you different insights as to what was going on with that budget and what's happening currently in the Senate and should be really interesting. Lisa, thanks very much for that update. And for all of you that are anywhere near the Copper Top in Medina in Brunswick, please attend. This is one of the best gatherings around. Good conservatives all. We always have good information that's imparted at those meetings. So please attend the McFan meeting tomorrow at 8.30 in the morning. At the bottom of this hour, at least when we come back, I'm hopeful that we're going to have Denise Harley from Alliance Defending Freedom to talk about the Title IX complaint against the Connecticut Interscholastic Association related to the transgender track athletes. You better bring the check around. To the sad, sad truth, the dirty law. Good morning again, Cleveland. You're listening to the Bob France Authority. Pete Kersenow, guest hosting for Bob France. And as I stated at the outset, we're going to be discussing with our friends from the Alliance Defending Freedom, which we've already heavily promoted at the outset of the program, and who we are fortunate to have regularly on this show. I think it was just a couple of weeks ago we had David Cortman talking about what's turned out to be the successful lawsuit, at least it's resulted in an optimal outcome from our friends, the great institution, the Lyceum, in its lawsuit against South Euclid, it was a religious freedom-based lawsuit. We discussed this on the program. And the Alliance Defending Freedom, as you know, has done remarkable work in defense of our First Amendment protections. And right now, we are going to be talking to Denise Harley, who is also counsel for the Alliance Defending Freedom. But not only that, Denise has been former Deputy Solicitor General of the State of Florida. She has a number of credentials to her uh, credit. And let's go to Denise. Denise, are you there? Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Great. Thanks very much for joining us. 
Um, before we get to the Title IX complaint that was filed related to the transgender athletes, I was just wondering, because at the bottom of the hour there was a, a feed related to, as we know, yesterday there was um, a um, decision by the Supreme Court dealing with the giant cross uh, and whether or not that was a violation of the First Amendment. There was a lot of uh, great opinions written there, and um, uh, that was the American Legion versus, I think it was American Legion versus the American Humanist Association, which claimed that having that giant cross was a, an establishment of religion. Was, 80, was Alliance Defending Freedom involved in that at all in terms of an amicus status? We were, yes. We, um, we filed an amicus brief in the United States Supreme Court on behalf of um, a retired Major General who was a Medal of Honor recipient and a, one of the most decorated soldiers in American history and, and seven other veteran groups. And we were pleased, although I'll have to say not surprised, that the Supreme Court agreed that the first, you know, decades, centuries, we've had monuments like crosses to recognize the fallen soldiers, and that certainly does not amount to an establishment of religion. It's simply a passive monument that was actually put up on private land by a private party nearly 100 years ago. And one of the things that struck me, and I admit that I didn't read through all of the opinions, but... One of the things that struck me was, uh, I love reading anything by Justice Thomas and, of course, uh, Justice mm-hmm. Gorsuch. Uh, they had, at least in their concurring opinion, it was pretty clear that they were having nothing to do anymore with the old Lemon versus Kurtzman standard of offended observer status, which, if adopted explicitly, I think would go a long way to remedying some of the, the craziness that we see with respect to First Amendment jurisprudence. Oh, you're absolutely right. You know, and then the idea that someone can simply be offended by something they see, and then that would therefore prevent people with people of faith to, you know, engage in any sort of public activity is is absurd. And and you're right, the lemon test, without getting too you know into the the legal weeds, is, has caused all sorts of problems. It essentially says if there's any way you know that that faith was a significant factor in in a government action, then the action is could potentially be prohibited. Um, and that's nonsense, because we know that legislatures open with prayer. I mean, we have, in God we trust on our money, and, and that's never been seen to be some sort of unconstitutional establishment of religion. Yeah, you know, at the Civil Rights Commission a couple of years ago, we had a full-blown hearing on the incursions on religious freedom, mainly because of the tension between First Amendment religious freedom precepts and uh, non-discrimination principles. And what struck me about mm-hmm. that, and I had called for the hearing, was the monumental hostility toward religion that, even though I've been on the Civil Rights Commission for nearly two decades, it, it nonetheless struck me as being extraordinary. Uh, so, yes. you know, it's uh, something that I think is essential that we get the outlines of the First Amendment um, uh, at least clarified here. Sorry for there's a well, little bit of background noise back there, but in any event... What I really want to get to is the Title IX complaint that uh, ADF has filed on behalf of, I think it's two female athletes who were um, denied placement because of the fact that two biological males who identify as females completely obliterated the record books and ran in the sprints against these individuals and had these two transsexual females not run 
then they would have placed and, you know, would have had opportunities to be recognized by coaches and uh, potential scholarships for uh, college athletic opportunities. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So that's right. We represent um, three female high school track athletes in Connecticut who have worked hard very for years practicing their craft. They, this is their passion. This is their hobby and their sport. And unfortunately, this past season, two boys decided that they identified as uh, girls and therefore were going to compete against the girls. Um, now, obviously, girls deserve a level playing field uh, and forcing female athletes to compete against biological males is not fair. In fact, Title IX was designed to create equal opportunities for women in athletics and education. So after the school was extremely resistant to any sort of um, logic about this, we have decided the best route would be to file a Title IX complaint saying this is clearly a violation of Title IX. Men don't belong in women's sports. And we filed that on Tuesday with the Office of Civil Rights which is going to initiate an investigation by the federal government into this Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference. And at the conclusion of that investigation, what type of remedies does OCR, the, the um, Office of Civil Rights within the Department of Education, what, what is their ability to address this? Do they have the ability to say cease and desist? Uh, what can they do? Yes. So we expect a, a very strongly worded letter making it clear that the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Association is violating Title IX. Um, now, either that or just the existence of our complaint could potentially, talk, you know, make these people come to their senses and avoid any sort of future lawsuit. But no one wants to get into litigation over this, but we're seeing that there's 17 different states now that allow boys to identify as girls and compete against girls. Um, even an average male will absolutely crush an elite female athlete. So what we're going to see is girls on the sidelines, girls off the podium. Um, so we're hoping that the timeline complaint alone will get these policies reversed without having to do further litigation. Yeah, and it strikes me that uh, is it possible, and I'm not sure within the confines of this particular complaint, that um, – the OCR could uh, necessarily address the issue I'm about to raise. But um, I know one of my colleagues in the Civil Rights Commission and I had addressed the issue of, uh, in a number of jurisdictions, and this one happened to be in Illinois, the high schools had permitted males to use female locker rooms, despite the fact that the parents of the females, the females themselves, almost everybody else objected strenuously to it, uh, it was an initiative on the part of the Obama administration. Could there be, uh, do you think, any kind of uh, approach by OCR addressing this particular issue of the transsexual athletes might also have a broader impact on this burgeoning, it seems to me, uh, drive by transgender activists to erase all distinctions between men and women? Well, you're seizing on something very important. And that is when we eliminate the difference between male and female, um, females lose all of the protections that the law reasonably gives to women because we have unique characteristics and we are different. And, you know, one of those is, is privacy and bodily privacy, such as in locker rooms and bathrooms. So I think the bottom line is in Title IX, it's clear sex means male or female. They are separated. And a decision on that in the athletic 
arena could very well translate into something like Title VII. We also have a ADF is representing a client in the Supreme Court. It will be heard early next term, and that will um, further underscore that male and female are two separate sexes, and no one should be forced to allow um, a male to become a female for purposes of their employment. Denise, thanks very much. Denise Harley, one of the great lawyers for the Alliance Defending Freedom, making sure that we have the protections of the First Amendment that were originally afforded to us and they are not perverted by, you know, the, the progressives who like to have penumbras and emanations coming from the Constitution. Denise, thanks very much. We will be back after this break. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 